Well, welcome to the podcast, Conversations with Jeff Bucknam. Jeff Bucknam is the lead teaching pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel, and I'm your host, Tommy Kreitz, and we are going to be having a conversation today. Did you know you're pronouncing your name wrong? No, I'm saying it's it right. Kreutz. It's not Kreutz, it's Kreitz. No, it's Kreutz. So R-E-U-T-Z. Kreutz. Kreitz. Family Feud. Family Feud. F-E-U-D. Yeah, that's true. Kreutz. C-R-E-U. TZ. It's how it should be, but when are names how they should be? Tommy, I just, I don't want to have to correct you every week. Yeah, you okay, sh- perfect. Say I'll just start saying it. Hi, I'm Tommy Kreutz, <laughs> the host of the podcast. Uh, there's a, the, the jacket that you're wearing right now. You might need to explain it to those who are on the... Yeah, so it is um, very cold. It is. In the room that we are having this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I don't know. I don't think that Harvest Bible Chapel Elgin... Mm-hmm. believes in heat right now like mm-hmm. heating the entire building well, it's is 19 you know it's 19 degrees outside which is you know fahrenheit yeah, yeah okay. fahrenheit yep. what is it's, that in celsius it's a really have? lovely day actually is 19 it? degrees is like wow that's uh that's really nice what would that i'm be? still getting used to that it's about that would be about 67 wow which, which this weekend great. is supposed to be supposed in to the be, 60s yeah but uh, yeah, 19 degrees is cold, cold for the Fahrenheit. Yeah, and you wear a jacket just like yours. I do. I love the fact I'm getting a. I have this jacket that I got that has this f- fluffy. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Yeah, it's, it's fur, it? faux fur. It's fake fur. Yeah, and it goes around your your, your head. head because. I think it's supposed to cut down the wind. Is that what it does? I don't know. When the wind flows, I don't through know. The but everybody like individual strands. When I went to the store, they told me that I should have this uh, this one. I said. Okay. That's a good illness. It's popular. I've never lived in Chicago before. I'm going to do what I'm told. It's also very um, trendy. It's on trend. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, is it not? Those jackets and the, and the type that Wes is wearing right now are very popular. Yeah, He's got the puffy he's jacket. He's got the puffer jacket. Yeah, I have neither of those. <laughs> I'm anyway, not I'm cool. prepared. I'm prepared for this winter. Yeah, you definitely are prepared. I got a parka. You look prepared. You got I've a parka. Wearing That's it what inside. It is. Yes. It's all good. It's amazing. And uh, it reminds me, so you didn't have that before no. in Canada? Why would I do that? Is it not cold there? Well, not where I lived in Canada, no. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. S- like Seattle. Okay. Where I lived. So moderate. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So this is a new purchase. Oh, yeah. New jacket. Yeah. New experience. Yeah. The there- cold, <laughs> the level of cold this morning was significantly cold for me. Yeah. 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 But I've been told by a few people. Chills just, you to the bone. Just get get ready for that. Get, yeah, it goes it goes lower. Yeah, so <laughs> there's usually sometimes a negative next to the 19. Love it, which is crazy. Let's Your car that. won't start. It'll be great. Uh, there's some really fun things happening in Canada right now. Speaking of, I'm Canada, not talking about the vaccine passports. I'm talking about uh, maple syrup. Is that what Canada is most known for? Do you think? No, kindness is what Canada is most known. That's for. true. Politeness. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then second, maple hockey? syrup or maple syrup, probably Which one's big? Yeah, and then maple syrup. Then so maple top syrup. top three for sure, yeah. right? So there is a, I'm not joking. There's a maple syrup emergency in Canada right now. That uh, <laughs> there's something called the maple syrup cartel, which is the Quebec maple syrup producers. Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to tap its maple syrup emergency reserves as mm-hmm. a global shortage looms. Right, there's a giant tree somewhere that yeah. holds all of this. All of reserves. it's stored in this giant tree. Uh, 22 mil- million kilograms 
or that, 49 million pounds. That's a lot of uh, maple syrup. Yes. That's how much they re- released from the emergency syrup stash. That's excellent. It's nearly half. I hope we're all having waffles then. Is that, I mean, why? What has happened? Oh, what maple would, syrup on a good waffle. That's, uh, that's, that's living. <laughs> that, that does seem, uh, I mean, it's delicious. Do I you love, like, do you I, like maple? Like if I you, do. Yeah. Okay. We have to get, okay, so our family's weird because our son has diabetes. So like we have yeah, the sugar sugar-free free log cabin maple, maple syrup. syrup. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, you know, I would buy maple syrup for myself, but like I just learned to do the sugar-free one. It's fine. No, it's, it's like, not. It's not as good. No, it's not. You know, but. There's nothing sugar-free that's as good as sugar. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I love sugar. I don't know if you could tell. I just. I, I can't tell. I You're, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's apparently it's a big problem. I bet it is. People need their maple syrup, Jeff. Well, they do. They need the Canadian maple syrup is quite, quite nice. Is it? Yeah. It's it's a a premium. It's a nice maple syrup, but you should note though, that this is not actually in all of Canada. This is from Quebec. It's okay. Yeah. So they're just talking about that area. Well, I think, yeah, I, I, I think. There's a lot of Canadians who would take issue with you lumping them together with problems in Quebec. Really? Yeah, because Quebec is sort of its own thing. Its own thing. I mean, it's it's Canada. It's Canadian. Yeah. But they kind of want to be their own thing yeah. until they don't have any money, and then they they want to be with everybody else wow. until they don't want to be with everybody else again and then want to do their own thing. So it gets a little bit frustrating. They have a whole, their own political party, the Bloc, the Bloc Québécois. Really? Yeah. And they they're in, so if you're if like if you're the prime minister of Canada, yeah. and you want to get back into office, all you really need to do is hang out in Ontario and Quebec, and if you get those votes, you're good. You don't need to visit. I don't even think the prime ministers visited Saskatchewan or Manitoba or any of those places for a long time. Wow. This is, can you say all the Canadian can we provinces? Do the, can we do no? Let's, let's no do shot. It. Okay, I can. let's give it a go. No shot. I can. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Okay. Try what you got. What do you okay, got? Okay, I got. I've got Quebec, and there's one. The one that you just said, Saskatchewan. Two. Uh, is Toronto or is that a city? That's a city. <laughs> perfect. I'm nailing it. That's in, that's in, a, it's in a province, though, that yeah. you have not yet mentioned. Oh, perfect. Which is um, the largest obvious, population comp province yeah. is called. It's obviously. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. On Ontario. There you yeah, go. Obviously, there's a lake. There's a lake. Yeah, I should have yeah, known yeah. that. Is there also Superior and no. Huron? I know those. Uh, I like <laughs> lakes. You're three into it. Yep. Um, how many are there? Where did I used to live? You used to live in Vancouver, which is in. Yep. So if there's you, in the province of. If it's, it's obviously in the province of uh, British Columbia. Yeah, yeah I mean, boy. I knew that. You know, so you we just have to stop there because yeah. I think we've exhausted your knowledge of Canada. I literally can't speak anymore. My brain was working so hard during that. I'm like going back to like fourth grade. So you grade. missed several Manitoba, Geogra- Manitoba. Alberta, you said that New Alberta, Brunswick. Which Nova is, Scotia, which is interesting when you, Island, when, you say, Land, when you say Labrador, when you say all of them, I know them, I've heard them, I just have never. They just been seem asked so completely question. irrelevant to no, you no. that there's no need to remember anything else. <laughs> I've never been asked that question in my whole life, except maybe in the fourth grade during geography, all and right. I had it. I had it then. Okay, I had it, but now I don't. Um, it's gone. Along with the, so you, just like the maple syrup. You asked me a question last week that you wanted to be, to put on air. I really did. Okay. Say it, yeah. say it again. So, okay. Here's the question. And this is a, this is a debate amongst some people in our church. 
And so I wanted you to weigh in on it. By people, you mean some staff members. Some staff members, yeah. And possibly some other people who In the aren't. midst of their dreaming mm-hmm. about ministry yeah. and studying God's word. Yes. There was this. This is a question that has come up. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the question. And how many average human men would it take to kill or defeat barehanded a average adult silverback gorilla? How many humans would that take? And the normal answer to this among a lot of the church is like a hundred. So um, we have one person in the room who, here who believes 100. I do not believe 100. Uh, I think it's 25. Or I'm 30. like 25 to 30. Right. That's where I am too. Yeah. See, and that's what, I mean, you guys can't see this, but when you said that last week, I jumped out of my chair in excitement that someone was with me. Right. Uh, it felt really validating, you know, for me. And now that you've said it live. If you have concerns about the, that uh, mm-hmm. those numbers, yeah, you should email us and let mm-hmm. let us know. Yeah, do we have an email for conversa- conversations would, with Jeff Bucknam? Yeah, conversations at, at jeffbucknam.com. <laughs> Con- <laughs> it's conversations at uh, Harvest. harvestbiblechapel.org. Perfect. There it is. So all of your... If I have you, a guest today, though, who's yes. going to weigh in on this subject. Yes, who has a very, um, let's just say, interesting take on the question. Yeah, he does. Which uh but also not only an interesting take on the question but has a, a story that uh, God has given him and you guys are going to have a conversation about that. And so uh well first let's introduce who it is. It's John Smith who most of the time needs no introduction. Um he's the campus pastor at our Rolling Meadows campus and has a story that you guys are going to talk about right now. So let's get into it. So here I am with uh, John Smith. John, uh, how many other John Smiths are there in the world? There's a lot. There actually is a John Smith club that I was invited to for a number of times, but uh, never went. Have you ever thought about... So you first first of all, before we get, get into anything else having to do with you, uh, y- your name is very, very common. Super. Uh, it's the name of the bad guy on The Man in the High Castle, uh, the Nazi, mm-hmm. just so you know. Yeah. You've told me. I have told you. I, I have to watch that series now. So uh, you get arrested sometimes. I've not been arrested. I've, I've Pretty close, though. I've been pulled over several times. Because And then when they pull you over, they look at your information, and they notice that you're John Smith, and they realize this is going to take a long time because yep. there's going to be lots of wanted John Smiths out there. Yeah, so I guess when you pull up the data bank on John Smiths, there's a lot of them. So I oftentimes like, uh, have a good day. Slow down, please. Wow. Okay. Doesn't work that well in TSA though. It's like a, a yeah. It's like a I can drive how I want ticket. Mm, I wouldn't go that far. Okay. But but TSA they give you trouble. Yeah, I've been to pretty much every Homeland Security. Sherry's gotten to go with me, and uh, she will testify they're not the the kindest people to interact with. No, you know it's funny if you give some people a little bit of authority. It uh, people who often in their lives have not had any, they really really like it. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult to deal with at times. Yeah, John, uh, you 
are currently the campus pastor at our Rolling Meadows campus. Mm. So what I want to know is how did we get there? So I, we can either go backwards. Mm-hmm. Let's go forwards. Okay. Let's start with little Johnny. All right, John. Do you, like I'm assuming you grew up in a in a in a normal family uh, with a mom and a dad and. Actually, I have no idea. So <laughs> I'm kind of asking that question. Yeah, so no, wait, tell me a little bit of your about your sure. upbringing. Where are you from? Uh, from Chicago, born downtown, Lincoln Park. Oh. Uh, it was a hospital by the zoo, so I don't know. You can figure that one out. But it was called Columbus Hospital at the day. Is it not there anymore? It's not there anymore. So developers came along and decided that it was a much more valuable piece of property off of Lakeshore Drive. And so it's now some beautiful condos, and the hospital is gone. But uh, born... Um, Okay, for being a, yeah. a, a a native Chicagoan, you do not sound, you don't have a real Chicago accent. Is that because you've traveled around everywhere else, or is that because you have dedicated yourself to getting rid of the Chicago accent? Of A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. Worked hard at uh, not having a Chicago accent. Okay. So... Uh, had some speech teachers who were determined to get rid of it for me. My first speech class, they're like, this, that, these, and those. You from Chicago. And so we had to get rid of those. But, uh, yeah, so I grew up in Chicago. Um, my, it was a very conflicted home. So my dad uh, never gave his life to Christ, as far as I know. He uh, was someone who was very much opposed to Christianity. And so um, married my mom, who had grown up in a very conservative Christian home. And so from the get-go... Their marriage had some crises uh, out of the blocks, and uh, um, that's the home I got to grow up in. How so, how old were they when they had you? Are you the oldest? I am the oldest. Yeah, and I have then a sister. One, just one sister. Yeah, a sister who's about eight years younger than me. Okay, so, yeah. so it was we, you and mom and dad for a while. Yeah, me, mom, and dad, and uh, so my mom loved the Lord with all of her heart, and so she was committed to let me understand who Jesus was at a very early age. And so she would read to me every night. She had that uh, Ken Taylor book where it was like pictures of different um, Bible stories. And so we would go through and she would read those stories to me about who Jesus was and different stories in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it was fascinating. And I love the fact that that was her time with me every night, faithfully reading God's word. That's really fascinating. Yeah. My dad had just the opposite and wanted nothing to do with the Lord. And so... My mom, who loved the Lord and would bring me to church with her on the weekends when my dad would let her go to church. Was that frequent? Um, it was pretty frequent as a little guy. And so I remember uh, the day when um, I asked Christ to be my Savior. Wow. So it was uh, November 20th, 1972. And so that was the day when um, I had a very committed Sunday school teacher back in the day who just shared the gospel regularly whenever I was in class, and uh, her story, my mom's stories, all lined up. And I remember that day at church, uh, actually going to big church and walking forward and asking uh, Christ to become my Savior. Wow, and this is in downtown Chicago. So it was just on the border of Chicago. It was on Austin, actually Division and Augusta. Division and Austin. Okay. I lived on Austin and Augusta. And is that the church is just nearest to your house, or yep. is it? Yeah, so we'd walk to it pretty much in the city, walk everywhere. So I don't think we didn't really have a car to drive around on. So buses, trains, whatever. Well, that's great. Yeah. Fantastic. How old were you? I was eight, eight, eight years old. Eight years old. How was it? I mean, how was it to have, have a father who was so against it, mm. though? So you come to faith in Christ, and like this is a, this would have been a, a challenging 
place to be. Yeah. So I had a dad who didn't want anything to do with it. And, uh, but he, it, was he like, okay, okay with others? Uh, yeah, I guess something so. To do with he it, wasn't or? around very much, to be honest with you. Oh, so dear. he um, worked downtown Chicago <clears throat> and he was an electrical engineer. And so he was gone a lot. So I didn't have a ton of interaction with him growing up. Um, but uh, the interactions I did have were very challenging because he was very vocal. He was uh, he was quite energized about life in a negative way, mm. and so he was he was a yeller. He was a he was pretty uh, verbally uh, yeah. abusive in the home, and a lot of other things that went with that. Right. So, so it wasn't hard for me to piece together. Here's a lady who lives this way. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who lives this way. Um, it, it, I was definitely drawn toward like, wow, my mom's got something that yeah. is very different. Yeah. So did you go, uh, you, you go to high school? You were a big hockey guy. Yeah, I played a little bit. So. No, stop it. Yeah. You, uh, you need to tell people how much you played. I heard that you actually ended up making the, you were in the junior A's, right? Um, no, I didn't actually play in the junior A's. I, I, I made an exhibition team okay. back in the day. So for those people yeah. who don't know all the levels of hockey, you must have grown up playing. I did, yeah. So at a very early age, my mom allowed me to try any sport I wanted to, and so I loved all of them. So I played baseball, I played hockey, uh, tried football, didn't like that one that much, played Why? soccer. Uh, football, I, I love the tackling part of it. But uh, it conflicted with the uh, hockey season, so okay. it was like, meh, wasn't wasn't a big deal. Basketball, I enjoyed it, but I still to this day don't quite understand when they they say you have five fouls, <laughs> and it's like you don't use them. And people, when you use them, if you hit somebody too hard, they like get all in your face. And I'm like, if you have five fouls, you should use all of them. Sp- There's no carryover. No, fouls. that's right. Speaking spoken well and truly like yeah. a hockey guy. So I made this team when I was seven years old. Uh, I made the Huskies. Uh, it was a hockey team, and um, I guess never turned back. I loved the sport. And my mom, uh, we would get up before school even. as a grade school kid, and we would go to the hockey rink, and we had practices before school. Mm. And I remember because we didn't have a car, she would get her grocery cart out. We'd put the hockey gear in the grocery cart. We'd walk to the hockey oh, rink. And uh, so then I played on uh, that team. It was a team that traveled around the state and the Midwest and Canada and just kept uh, playing at uh, different levels like that. For the Huskies? Yeah. Okay. And my different teams. It all depends what town we lived in. So So at, at what point? Did you, I'm assuming you went into the draft at some point? No. No, I went to uh, Bible college. Okay. So, same thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you have, at, one, at some point in your childhood, did you have dreams of the NHL though? Yeah, I mean, I actually have um, a guy who also played, and I um, finished out my hockey in Downers Grove. And so there's another uh, hockey player who made it in the pros, and he went to the University of Wisconsin, and he did quite well. And I uh, always admired uh, having the opportunity to play against him. And You're not going to tell us his name? Uh, Gernado is his last name. Okay, Gernado. So, yeah, he had a great career. He played with Wayne Gretzky. He uh, He's a phenomenal player. Right, but you – he, he is who he is now because of his chastening by you every day in practice. No, not at all. He, he played on a different team. Oh, and, okay. And so, so the we battles were, between your rival, team, right. between the Reds and the Huskies. Yeah, was, yeah. No. So he played on the Elmhurst Huskies. I played on the Oak Park Huskies, and I played on different teams. So Were they all named – are all the hockey teams named Huskies? No, just those two. Okay. 
Because it's fitting, right? Yeah. I mean, it's cold. Yeah. Cold ice. So you name your team the Huskies. Yeah. Right? So what I loved about it was I love the challenge of, of a game and the, the team sport and to see, uh, you know, just the opportunity to go around and play um, at a high level was fantastic. And yet I still came away a little bit empty um, when I felt like the Lord was saying, hey, I want you to consider going into ministry. I'm like, man, it was great to spend all that time, all those hours playing that sport, but what redeeming value is that? Yeah. And so um, after I, after college, that was when I got to, the opportunity to try out for this exhibition team that uh, assembled in Minnesota a tryout. And so I thought, well, what chance do I have? I'm 23, I'm the old guy, and uh, just happened to make the team. It was a bunch of junior A, and there was one guy who played in the NHL, and yeah. uh, so we were all on this team, and we got the chance to travel to— That's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's a high level of hockey. Yeah, so we got to play with uh, some uh, gold medal guys, uh, go against them in Sweden and Finland and Russia, and so wow. it was fun. Yeah. So— uh, I'm going to ask you a couple of hockey yeah. terms before we move on sure. off the hockey. All I'm right. going to ask you a few hockey terms and you're going to explain <laughs> what they mean. All right. All right. Cycle the puck. Cycle the puck. I have no idea. What do you mean? You have no idea that people yell that whenever I'm watching hockey, they'll, they'll say, cycle the puck, cycle the puck. Yeah. I don't know. Oh my goodness. Did you just not know that the words you just, were you one of the guys on the fourth line? Uh, explain the fourth line. The fourth line doesn't see a lot of play. I was not on the fourth line. Okay, but yeah. the fourth line has a single job, and the fourth line single job is to beat the living tar yeah. out of the other team, usually first line. First line, yeah, and they definitely have an agitator on that line. I was an agitator. Were you? But I was not on the, the fourth line. Okay. I was on the second line. Usually. But that was your job? It was my was job. To, usually there's a guy on the team who whose job is to protect the the, the scorers. Yep. And that's what you did. Yeah. So I would go into the corners and uh, stir it up a little bit. And I'd be the guy who stands in front of the net and try to uh, mess with the goalie and the defensemen so that uh, the other guys could get their goals. Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> You're like the guy. Well, rug, rugby's got a position hmm. that's called a lock. And his job, he's one of the forwards. Your job is when the ball goes to the ground to bash into the other people, the other guys who are trying to grab the ball or to grab the ball from yeah. the ground. Yeah. So they just hit their heads against each other all day. They're, they're the real rugby men, just like you. The enforcer is the real hockey guy. Do you have all your teeth? Uh, no. You don't? No. <laughs> How many did you lose? Uh, one several times. The same one? Yeah, front one. After a while, did it just become like, ah, oh, well. Well, it was just one of those. They, they finally made it permanent. So Okay. Did you yeah. finish the games that you lost your teeth? I, I picked them off the ice. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Why would you not finish? Well, that is the funny part about yeah. hockey, right? Yeah, they sew you up on the bench. Yeah, and it's you're just all, a flesh wound. Yeah, it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> That's great. So um, at what point did yeah. you, like you decided to go to Bible college? Yeah. Didn't play hockey there? Nope. What Bible college? I went to a small university in South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Why? Well, I was um, a junior in high school, and there was another athlete who really um, came up to me and said, you know, what's going on with your life? And that was really a good, I think, the a God moment. Uh, his name was Steve. And Steve played football at another, at another school, and he's like, hey, man, let's talk about life for a little bit. And we started getting together every Tuesday and spending time in God's word because I was lacking some purpose. And so, um, he actually poured a lot into me and, uh, 
um, that was, I guess, the year of my like surrender to the Lord. Mm. Enough of the John Smith game. It's uh, what does the Lord have for me? And so, um, but I thought, well, I play sports. How can I use that in this public high school that I went to? And so the Lord opened up some amazing doors to uh, start some Bible studies and to start fellowship of Christian athletes. And so, mm. um, yeah, so started plugging into a, a student ministry in the local town. And uh, they had a gym, so we would uh, frequent that gym and bring a lot of the, I just hung around with a lot of the athletes and just shared my story and um, shared what God had been doing in my life. And I remember memorizing some verses. And um, so that's how really the Lord opened up the door. And as I was trying to be faithful in the little things the Lord provided, I just had several people come to me and say, have you ever thought about the ministry? I'm like, no, never thought about, I don't, I don't know. What did you want to do? So um, I just thought I would go to college and figure it out figured out whether it was my dad was an engineer and I knew what that, you know, at least looked like as it related to electrical stuff. And so, um, yeah, I like sports and I figured out when I got there. So, so halfway through it. So, yeah. So partway through that junior year of high school, uh, the Lord just kept opening doors and someone asked me, would you ever consider going into the ministry? And it was because of just, uh, taking those opportunities with other students to share the gospel. And, um, platforms to speak at different things. And so it was great. And so I'm like, well, I don't know what that looks like, but I'll, I'll, uh, I'll look into it. So yeah. I applied to a couple of different colleges and I didn't really know what a Christian college was cause that wasn't in my repertoire. So, um, applied to a couple of different colleges. One of my dad didn't want me to go to cause it didn't have a full degree. So it wasn't okay. a accredited school. So it was like, yeah, not that one, but you yeah. can look at these other ones. Okay. Yeah. And then you chose one of those other ones. Chose one of the other ones, and it was uh, it was a challenge for me because it was. Did you very choose different. it because it was in South Carolina, like because it's a no, long way away, or no? no it was. Um, uh, I don't know. Out of the two that I that it boiled down to, I felt like this had a stronger Bible program. Okay, from my perspective, I had no idea. Yeah, so that's why I went. And you were there for four years. Yeah, graduated a little bit early. Um, that was best for me in the interest of the school. <laughs> It was it was a challenge. I would say that was my first Christian school experience, and uh, um, we'll just say it was a rough start for me. Yeah, going there. Yeah. Okay. My perspective on things and asking a lot of questions and wanting to understand the why behind wasn't always looked upon as yeah as favorable. No. What years were you in college? Uh, eighty two to eighty five. All right, eighty two to eighty five. Yeah. You get out of college. Yep. You have a degree now. Yep. Uh, in Bible? Yeah, Bible and church administration. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you then are excited to go out and work in a local church, a ministry like I had a couple couple seminaries reached out to me uh, while I was in school. Um, They wanted you to come play for their hockey team. uh, No. No, just to check out what's the next Can you imagine a seminary hockey team? (laughs) That'd be really good. No, no. Um, So they, um, I... I thought about that and I, I was like, I don't know, maybe I should go into local ministry first and um, get an understanding of what I've learned in local ministry right. and then go to seminary. Yeah. And so that's what I did. So the church that I actually went uh, to high school, student ministry, actually called me up and asked me, uh, my student pastor left to another church in Michigan, came back, and then he asked me if I would be his student pastor. Wow. So that's what I went back to. Okay. Yeah. From the same church that you same church, came Downers to Grove. faith in? Crown. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so it was very cool. Okay. So you were there for how long? I was there for 15 years. As the youth pastor for 15 years? 
No, I was there for a youth pastor for nine and a half. Okay. And then um, I had an opportunity to expand my wings, I guess you would say. And so I went to Trinity uh, Divinity School or Trinity Seminary, whatever it is, and um, spent some time there and was looking at what is it that the Lord would have for me to be the next step. And so uh, had the privilege of watching a guy come in and be a part of our student ministry and take that over. And I uh, then became like the associate pastor. Yeah. Really with all the adult ministries and the ministries. So is this a large church or is it, um, I think at that point it was about 500. That's pretty good, Mm -hmm. pretty good sized church. Yeah. Right. But you were working together. The pastor was the guy who was your student pastor all those years. Well, he was my student pastor for one year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was great to have the opportunity to then work alongside. It was the best nine years in youth ministry. What's the best part of youth ministry? Man, I think, um, watching students give their lives to Christ and, um, I just love watching them flourish in this new understanding of who Christ is and how he can be alive in their life. It was exciting because they were not shy about sharing their faith with others. And uh, I, I thought that was really, really cool. Worst part. What's the worst part? Uh, having conversations with some parents who believe that their student is someone that he's not. Okay. Yeah. Those so they think ones. that he's... Uh, mostly like he's, he's little angelic, kid. angelic yeah. Jerry. And you're There's like, no way my son could have done something like that. And you're like, yeah. yes, there is. Yeah. Wow. Nine years though. That's, yeah. I said, that's really impressive to do it. Mm-hmm. I did. I was a youth pastor for two years mm-hmm. and at the end of that, I was, yeah, they beat, beat it out of me. Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. And I think coming, uh, going back to the hometown, it gave me just some opportunities back in the local school as well. So yeah. I was able to go back and do coach the baseball, help coach the baseball team. Oh, and, wow. and so uh, there was just some open doors that really just allowed uh, ministry to, to, to really take off there. That's fantastic. John, you're not married at this point. I'm married partway through this point. Okay. Where did you meet your dear wife? Oh yeah. That's a great story. She tells it way better than I do, but we met at Cedarville University. Why were you at Cedarville University? Wait, yeah. I said that wrong. C- Cedarville University. Yeah. 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 So at the time it was Cedarville College. It was much smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the things that we would do every year is we would take some students to go visit some Christian colleges, I think, because it was just one of those things that um, we just put into our schedule. And so I packed up a, a bunch of students in, some, in a vehicle. We went down to go visit a couple different Christian colleges, and one of them was Cedarville. And uh, I forgot about the time change between Chicago and Ohio. And so we were going to be an hour late. Mm-hmm. So I called Cedarville and I'm like, hey, um, so sorry. I calculated the time wrong. We're going to show up at this time instead of this one. They said, well, instead of meeting a student, we're going to have Sherry Watson meet you. I'm like, sweet. So um, pulled into the uh, student area and uh, walked into the building and she was standing there. And I literally stopped in my steps just like wow, that is one amazing looking woman. And uh, so long that the students, they started laughing. Yeah. And they're like, Pastor John, I've never seen him like that. And I'm like, <laughs> uh-oh. And so that's that was our first um, eyes on each other. And then the students went around that next day with a uh, pad and paper uh, or pen and paper and went around and interviewing different students and teachers and faculty to find out everything they could about this Sherry Watson. And so that's what they did the whole day. And they came back and they gave a report and they said, man, this girl, she's really got it together. You need to, um, you need to meet her more. And uh, we think she's great for you. 
And I'm like, I think she's great, but I don't really know. Well, here's all the things, but there might be a problem. She, we think she might be dating this other guy. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. yeah. So, um, the cursed other guy. I know. Well, um, that it wasn't true. She had broken up with that guy. All so right. I was like, okay, there's my chance. But the that day, one of the students said, hey, w- let's go do something. We've already you know, used the gym at Cedarville. We've done the racquetball. We've done all those things. Can we find a bowling alley? I'm like, bowling? So I'm like, well, let's go ask Sherry. And so one of the girls went with me and said, uh, hey, could you tell us where the nearest bowling alley is? And at the end of the conversation, they're like, ask her. And this was in front of all of her employees. And uh, she said no. Wow. Heartbreaking. I was yeah. expecting something else right there, John. Yeah. I was expecting a, you were building that up to a big yes. Yeah. And then the answer was no. It was no. So, like, where does it go from there? Well, long story short is uh, she didn't want to appear to be the girl who says yes to every student pastor who came onto the campus. Is this a common thing for her? I must have been. like when, uh, Lots of people. She's lots. in the room right now. I I'm looking over is. there at her, and she's... Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I can respect that. And uh, um, she wrote me several weeks later. Oh, uh, that a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And we started. Uh, she she had a case of the Johns. No. <laughs> so we started writing back and forward or back and forth to each other because back in the day there was no, uh, you weren't communicating through uh, email yet. So like okay. prehistoric. Yeah. So we uh, wrote each other. We started calling each other on our phone, and we had our first date in Indianapolis. Oh, lovely. Where'd you yeah. take her? Uh, we just went around downtown Indianapolis area. I okay. don't remember the restaurants. but All right. Yeah. It's a nice place. Yeah, it was downtown great. Yeah, so it was kind of like an interview, I would say, as a date because we... <laughs> for who? Uh, for both of us. We both came with like, hey, let's tell our life stories with each other and see if this should go any further than what it is. We both had dated some people in the past and weren't looking to, you know, engage in just a friendship. But like if there's something here, let's find out. Yeah. And there was. And so, yeah, love at first sight and just took a while for us to get, uh, how, how, how much later did you, uh, get married? It's a great question. Was it a couple of years over a couple of years? Okay. Uh, it took, so we were off and on for, uh, one section of it and okay. it was largely because of, uh, uh, she got to meet my family and my dad was a little bit, uh, um, that was a little bit of a challenge for her. I and, bet. Uh, so that was for her to see um, that my dad was someone who was pretty aggressive and mm. that I came out of a sport that was pretty aggressive. Mm-hmm. A little bit of wondering, like, what's this going to look like? Yeah. And uh, good news is I think that, uh, man, when God says he can redeem somebody, he can take them from darkness to light. And the Lord has uh, not allowed that to be my story of what his That's story great. was. That's really great. Yeah. So what what is your anniversary? Uh, yeah, it'll be 31 in uh, April 27th. April 27th. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So let's see. That would mean that... 1991. 1991. That's fantastic. Good times. Yeah. So uh, did Sherry Watson want to go into ministry? She did. That was a great thing. Like part of the interview was like, tell me about like, what is it that you think about when you think about a pastor and being, um, did you ever want to be a pastor's wife? She's like, I want to be a pastor's wife. Like, <laughs> check. That's like, <laughs> like, wow, we don't need to continue. I don't know how many women would say that. Right. Yeah. Wow. So that was her, that was her, what she felt like the Lord had placed on her heart. And so that was just wonderful. Okay. 
That's yeah. fantastic. So you she becomes a pastor's wife. You guys continue to work mm-hmm. at, uh, at First Baptist. At yeah. First Baptist as a youth guy. Yeah. All right. Why are you at Harvest? Yeah. So while uh, I was at school, uh, seminary, um, Warren Benson was my mentor. And Warren Benson was uh, someone who had an opportunity to speak um, all around the country influencing other churches in education. And so I had an opportunity with uh, David C. Cook yeah. and him to big do some stuff now. together. Yeah. And so um, uh, I forgot the question you asked me. doesn't really matter, does it? Okay. <laughs> no, I was, I was just trying to find out when, uh, how, oh, how got I got the harvest. harvest. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So during that whole thing, getting at Trinity and doing this traveling, I got invited by a guy, David C. Cook, to Harvest to come to a, a family um, children's conference day. And so when I came to Harvest that day, I met Joe Stoll, Jr., mm. and uh, he was in the, was in Cornerstone Cafe at the Rolling Meadows campus, and he was talking to me about ministry, and he asked me what I thought family ministry should look like, and I rattled off some things, and we went back to his office, and those things were literally listed on uh, his whiteboard in the office, and we get engaged in a conversation about what would that look like for me to consider coming on to Harvest Team. What year was this? It was uh, end of 99, and we came on staff in June of 2000. That's a long time. Yeah. What was Harvest like in those days? It was one campus, and uh, those are some really exciting days. We saw the Lord do some great stuff. There were people inviting folks out left and right and people getting saved. And it was a smaller church at that time. It was 3,000. And from 2000 to 2003, we'd watch the Lord just uh, take our verse, you know, go. And people were responding. And we went from 3,000 to 6,000 and people just engaged and in the community and we just started planting churches and there was an excitement and an energy. You just look forward to being a part of it every day. Did you ever think about being one of the people who plants a church? No, never did. Okay. You just, you were happy working as kind of the, on the, in the training group. I like to preach. It's not my main thing. It's Mm -hmm. not something that I'm best at. I'm a builder Mm -hmm. and someone who loves doing that side of ministry and supporting and coming alongside and, um, I, I knew that was more of my role than to be someone who planted a church. Okay. So you've been working at Harvest Bible Chapel for? Tw- well, we there was an interruption in the middle was, of it. Yeah. Um, you went to Arizona for Did. a period of time for how long? Yeah, for almost four years. Okay. And you worked some in that time. I think you remember mm-hmm. telling me that you worked for Apple. I did. Mm-hmm. What did you do for Apple? Yeah, so I started like most people start at Apple. I started as a specialist on the floor. And uh, what does that mean? It means that when you walk into an Apple store, there's different people in shirts, and they have um, some of them who greet you at the door, ask you, like, what is it that brought you in today? Or uh, Mm -hmm. they're trying to talk to you about the computers or the iPhones or whatever. Those are usually specialists. Okay, so you were the person at the door. Yeah, so I started with that, and then I worked up to uh, being an expert and uh, got to do a lead and learn and um, have some influence in, in, a, in a store on a leadership level. What did you learn at Apple mm. that you think is appropriate and helpful for ministry? Mm. I think the way that um, the, the expectation that people at Apple have 
and customer service to care for those who walk through the doors. They know that some people are walking through and they're not happy and uh, you need to meet them right where they're at. There's some that are looking for a product that you can engage with them and show them and, and help them find a thing that's going to be best for them. And I think as you take a look at the church, there's people who walk through the doors who have had some super disappointing aspect of their week, and we need to meet them right where they're at. We need to be real. We need to be genuine, authentic, and taking God's word as our map mm-hmm. and say, let's take a look at um, how can we come alongside you in this difficult time. Right. Yeah. And then you, but you got back into ministry. I did. Yeah. So you were in ministry at, at Harvest. You, you you took a break for a little bit, and then you jumped right back into ministry, but in, in Arizona. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a tough ending here at Harvest, to be honest yeah. with you. So um, I was doing, I was involved a lot in 2014 in different areas. And um, honestly, my life um, was going a, a direction that it, uh, I would say it wasn't who I was, but it was where I was on that day. And I was um, becoming too self-sufficient. Mm. I had let some pride creep into my heart and I had let the fear of man really, really grab me. And, uh, and, it, and those roots produced some really bad fruit. And so sin crept into my heart and it was really um, thankful for a couple of guys who came alongside me and said, Hey, uh, this isn't uh is that what happened? Yeah. Like you had a couple guys speak to you about this. Were you yeah. aware of it when you, when they talked to you yeah. about it, were you yeah. like, yeah, you're speaking the truth. I already know that yeah. is the case. And so your heart was already turned yeah. or was in these guys, it was you? great. And Sherry was in the room and we all sat down and talked about this and, um, was like, thank you and repented of the sin that had uh, crept into my life and had an opportunity to really take a look at that. And we came to the conclusion of it's, it's probably good for me to take some time away from ministry for a bit to get some healing, to get some, uh, get my heart restored in a good way. Mm. And so I don't regret that for a moment of the Lord putting me on the carpet because it, uh, it really, uh, took Sherry and I's relationship to another level. I think it took my walk with the Lord to another level. It took my understanding of the sin in my life. And was I really uh, repentant of that? Was I really uh, remorseful? Was there, was there godly sorrow? Was there regret? And was there, was there, was I so repulsed by it that I didn't want to ever return to it? Mm. And so we, three weeks later, packed up our bags, moved to Arizona, um, there was a Harvest Bible Chapel there that we knew and had a good counseling program. And so we went there and had some advocates come alongside of us. And we really just gave ourselves to like, Lord, restore our hearts, uh, bring back the joy of our salvation. Yeah. And it was a, it was a, it was a difficult season, but um, I think the Lord was using that to show himself in a way that I hadn't seen him ever before. And he really um, grew my dependence upon him in ways that I could, never have imagined i want you to give advice to me then Mm. so having gone through something like that Mm -hmm. uh meaning letting things grow and fester in your life to a point where you have to be Mm. confronted and then hearing the confrontation Mm -hmm. and then making hard decisions to go and do something else for a little bit yeah uh what kind of advice do you have to people who are at various stages of that i don't i'm whether it's the how how should how should what kinds of things did you put into place to like what helped you? Yeah, I think having godly friends is is one. 
So if you have people who will just agree with you or just tell you the things you want to hear, that's a problem. And so I'm thankful for these guys who said, hey, man, this isn't who you are, but it is right now. And so don't let this moment define who you can be in the future. And um, so I think when someone speaks into your life, you really need to listen. And uh, who, if they have your best interest. and uh, It takes a level of humility yeah. to be willing to hear it from yeah. somebody and then and then respond positively. Yeah. But I will say before we left, I think the Lord was very gracious to allow me to go back to the people that I hurt mm. and uh, ask them to forgive me, ask them to, you know, consider the opportunity to not let that be a defining moment in our relationship and our friendships and yeah. that I had wronged them. And um, so thankful that the Lord gave me that before we left, because then I knew that he could just do a work on my heart yeah. and, uh, that's what happened in Arizona. So why, like at some point along the way then, you mm-hmm. decided, look, ministry is not is not in my rear view mirror. It's, it, it's still here. Yeah. What, what led to that? Well, it was a great opportunity. Adam Bailey. Uh, it was Harvest Bible Chapel Chandler or East Valley at that point. Okay. And uh, we were going to his church, and uh, we were volunteering. And he said, uh, one day he said, um, would you consider being a part of our team and being the director of connections, just helping with the whole assimilation yeah. process, helping with the ushers and the greeters and the parking, everything that has to do with the front end, we would love for you to consider being a part of our team. And I really did want to get back in ministry, but I didn't know if that would ever be what the Lord would have. Yeah. And so I just went after what I was given at that day of working at Apple and working in real estate and but I was overjoyed when he had that conversation with me. And um, Apple had just poured some significant time and energy into some leadership development in me. Yeah. And so I remember it was just after that that Adam asked me to be on the team, and I, I said yes. So I remember going back to Apple and saying, thank you for all the time and investment that you've put into me. But I really believe the Lord has And now I'm going to go use it for yeah. the church. Yeah. Yeah. So it was great. That's good. You sold houses too. I did. Yeah. Were you a good house seller? I mean, I think that the Lord provided for us. Well, good. Yeah. That's great, though. Yeah. Did you ever think that you get involved in real estate in your life? I always have loved real estate. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Good. But just not for very long. No. I still have my license. Do so I'm you? still trying to help people find uh, houses So in anybody Arizona. needs to <laughs> I'm not house. licensed in Illinois. I'm just licensed in Arizona. Anybody who so. wants to have a house in Arizona, John Smith's your guy. Yeah. Happy to help. Um, right. Uh, I do have a question. Yeah, uh, you, you eventually came back, but before mm-hmm. before I ask that, you and your you and your wife, uh, you don't have children. We don't. And is that by choice? No, um, we really wanted to have children, mm-hmm. and uh, we learned from that we weren't going to be able to have kids. And okay. So that was something that when we found out, that was very hard to hear. How far into your marriage did that happen? Um, a couple years in. When you found that out, yeah. That would have been heartbreaking. Yeah, it was. Difficult to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. So when we when we found out that news, it was like, okay, um, we explored what does adoption look like? What does, you know, there's lots of other options out there. We didn't have peace about any of it. So yeah. we're like, well, maybe the Lord just has us to pour ourselves into ministry. And you have. Yeah. I mean, that's what, what honestly, you know, as I've gotten to know you, it's fascinating the level of commitment that you and Sherry both have to harvest. Uh, and like I've thought several times about you know, the, the language that the apostle Paul uses about single people and mm-hmm. 
in uh, in First Corinthians seven about how you know they're able to give more of their energy to the Lord. And I do think that in some cases that's the same thing. If you don't have children, mm-hmm. you're able to dedicate yourself more. And I, your your contribution is so invaluable. Both of you, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's remarkable. Um, you you uh, are you became the campus pastor at uh, as you as you returned mm-hmm. to. To Chicago, James McDonald had asked you to come back, yeah, not to be the campus pastor. Okay, so um, in 2018, James sent me a text and he said, "Would you consider coming back?" And the great, great another part of the story, which is great, is um, part of the people group that I really significantly hurt was him, mm. and uh, to be able to have the the chance to reconcile with him, right? Uh, the Philemon Onesimus story to have that taken care of and with um, some of the leadership of that day. And so Sherry and I flew back and Adam and Renee came and we all were in a room together. And that was a beautiful story of reconciliation. That's great. And shortly after that, that was in 2016, 2018, he texted me and said, would you ever consider coming back to Rolling Meadows to uh, bring some significant leadership? And I'm like, well, we haven't really considered. Um, things are going great here in Arizona. And he said, well, would you consider it? So we uh, thought about and prayed about it for a period of time. And then we engaged in that conversation and uh, we found ourselves coming back here. And it was going to be Luke and Landon going to be the campus pastors. And I would be uh, more of the behind the scenes uh, guy helping right. bring some leadership. What to year was this? That was 2018. 2018. The end of it, yeah. And then a lot of the difficulty for the church kind of happened in the next few months. Yeah. 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 What was that? I mean, you came, you come back, you're ready to roll, and then things sort of yeah. uh, fall apart. You've been around here for the last several years where it's been a bit of a challenge. Yeah. What have you learned, John? I've the learned last several years. That's a great question. I learned that uh, God know God's providential uh, knowledge, you can bank on it. I would have never chosen to come back if I would have known what we have gone through, mm. but because I believe he knew who he wanted in a certain place for that time. Um, he put he orchestrated that, yeah. And so um, we are thrilled that God would choose to call us to be a part of watching a church go through reconciliation, watching a church be redeemed, watching a church reconstruct, watching a church get a get its um, represent Him well. Yeah. To think that we would have the privilege of being here for this time, it's it's quite an honor. Yeah. What's the What's the best thing about the Rolling Meadows campus? The people. Okay. Love the people. All of them. I've met a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, they just, <laughs> they're, they're wonderful. They are. And I think they're really leaning in. They're energetic. They're very enthused. They really want to see the church and the, the, the local impact mm. is something that's been so exciting to watch. And that's so been proud. something that you've been really focused on recently, especially, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. And so proud of Ramirez and Claudia and just having a chance to come alongside them and watch what God is doing in our Hope Center and the impact it's having in the community. And with our uh, recent interactions with some different um, police and different uh, schools, like we're just really trying to say, Lord, what is it that we can do inside of this community to be a light for you? And that they can see we really do love and care and want to partner and come alongside and, and be there in times of need. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. You're kind of a trainer too, though, right? Like you had a little bit, a little bit to do with the um, Harvest Bible Fellowship. Yeah. So when um, we started planting churches, um, we just had an opportunity to pour into some of the guys. And so, yeah, I got to do some of that. And we had a ministry mentorship program yep. 
that I headed up that was for all of our campuses who are the next leaders that the Lord is raising up and pour into them. Mm-hmm. And so I had an opportunity to, to lead that. So John, I've been, I've thanked God several times for you being here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you arrive somewhere, you look around and you see how God has prepared things. And you certainly have been one of the, the bright spots for me to see how your leadership has been so invaluable to the church in well, the last little while and continues to be. That's kind of it. We, we've prayed for you and just so thankful. Yeah, you're. you didn't know who I was, though, at that point. <laughs> oh, now well, you know how to yeah. pray. No, and, and super <laughs> Sanctify thankful. him, yeah. Jeff, or sanctify him, Lord. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask. I end most of these okay. conversations with, uh, with a lightning round. Ready. This is, this is not going to be stuff that it really has. It's just stuff I'm wondering, John. Perfect. I'm, I'm wondering. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. You have a Harley Davidson jacket on. Why? I do. I, I ride a Harley. Okay. You're pretty proud of that? I I like riding a motorcycle. Yeah. Is that the only motorcycle you've ever read, ridden? Nope. I've had a Yamaha. I've had a Honda. And uh, I really like the Harley. Do you ride around with other people with who have Harleys? I do. Okay. Yeah. Some guys on staff, some guys in small group. All right. When's the last time you didn't have facial hair? Mm. He's, looking, he's oh, looking for help. Uh, 2014. You need to phone a friend? I, I had to remember 2014. 2014. I had no facial hair. No facial hair at all. No. Do you look? What do you look like without facial hair? Because right now you got this little. You I got look a little way soul better. Patch going. I look probably way better without facial hair. Why do you keep it then? Try to hide myself. All right, all right. Uh, what What are you? Your greatest dream in the last 15, 20 years of your ministry life? Greatest dream, just to be where the Lord wants me to be. Okay. And I really want to, uh, here, I'll, can I read a verse real quick? No. This, this, is my, this is my dream. Stop bringing the Bible into this, John. Um, I love this verse, and this is what I feel like the Lord really put. This is my life and um, what I think he has in the days ahead. Oh, God, from my youth, you've taught me, and I proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even um, an old age and gray hair, of which I've gotten a lot over the last two years, Oh, God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation and your power to all those who come. I just have such a passion to pour into the next generation. It's, it's honestly my favorite thing to do. You walk people around your campus. You have different like walks for the different staff. Yeah. What are they called? Yeah, it's Laps with Larry, Jogging with Jonathan, Steps with Stephanie. It's they, whatever their name is, we come up with something for them. <laughs> right. And when you walk around, you just try to... Uh, pour into him. Pour into him. Yep. It's awesome. Yeah. God and, bless you, John. Yeah. I'm thankful for you. Thanks a lot for spending time talking to me about yourself. Well, thank you. You, you don't like talking about yourself, so this has like been a really <laughs> <laughs> long, awesome thing. Yeah. But well, I think a lot you. of people have really appreciated your ministry over the years and uh, probably be happy to hear some of this stuff. Well, that, that's a blessing uh, to be back. Okay. Well, God bless you. Thanks a lot for everybody listening. We'll, ta- we'll catch you next time.